When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Let's Unpack That, a media analysis podcast where we are currently um, working our way through Berserk, the longest piece of media on earth. It will take us 300 years. 1,000 years. Um, my name is Cal, and I am here with my best friend, Shaval, today, who is also my co-host. Hello. And uh, we're going to get into a few more chapters today. We've been doing two for the most part recently, but we're going to go ahead and do three today because it's going to wrap up a couple of like mini arcs basically before we get into a much larger one. Um, Yes. Yes. Um, But before we do that, we like to bullshit (laughs) about stuff. And yes, uh, (laughs) I, for those of you who are new, I unfortunately listen to K-pop and keep up with it. I know. And keep up with it. Don't turn it off. Keep, keep the <laughs> please, podcast on. Please Do keep not going. touch your phone. I promise this is going somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but there's been like a bit of drama recently that I think is really interesting and I think also kind of relates to what we talk about on here a lot. Um, get my popcorn out. Yeah, <laughs> get so get your whole popcorn, get your snack. Um, but so there's this. I won't like super go into it, but there's a group. They're called Day Six, and they're more of like a band than a K-pop group. There's like certain. It's right. usually a boy group where like they are an idol group, but they are more of like a musical band. Like they do play instruments and stuff and sometimes sing live and things like that so sometimes they get like on a little bit of a high horse with it um because they're you know they're not like an idol group and it's like but you are an idol group we're not like you other people we play instruments (laughs) yes um i'm not very fond of day six i think a lot of their music is very like sad pathetic man music and i think they have like Well, no, it's like, oh, my girlfriend left me. And their first, okay, their debut song is okay, called okay. Congratulations. And it's basically like, congratulations on leaving me and moving on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So it is like sad boy music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, um, got, it, got it. And they do have a couple of songs I like, I will say that. But I'm not like invested in them. So. If you Good. if you are invested in day six and happen to listen to this, please don't roast my ass. I don't know everything. I just kind of know what's been going on. So um, there's a member. His name is Jay. And he, like, has always been, like, a little bit, I don't know. Like, he likes to act superior 
about stuff about you know he's an artist he's not an idol you know and like he's not like these other idols and stuff you're an idol i know i know i'm like bro you're an idol (laughs) this literally jump-started your career don't want to hear it um (laughs) so he he'd been talking like mad shit on social media about like his band members about jyp about like all this other oh, stuff. Shit. Yeah, the, like saying shit where people Fucking were spicy. like, um, okay. <laughs> and apparently, like, his band members were like excluding him from shit because he's a fucking asshole, which is hilarious, by the way. Um, but good. yeah, no, good for them. Um, but he got, we don't know if he got, if he left or he got booted, but I'm gonna bet he got booted. Um, and he may have even been Probably. doing all this to intentionally get booted. But um, <clears throat> he's not a part of Day Six anymore, and nice. it's he's like one of three or four guys recently who have been dropped from groups because of some scandal thing going Just being on. Being a dick, yeah, or basically, like, oh, yeah. Because okay, okay. there's another idol <laughs> named Lucas, and he was basically like scamming fans to be his sugar mama and then like it all got out and leaked and he literally got like kicked out of his group within a week it was fucking insane um but (laughs) anyways this is nothing by the way compared to the guy who was secretly married and had a kid for like years (laughs) now that one was funny that now that one was like some classic shit that shit made me laugh yeah like whenever people are like oh this happened i'm like hey remember (laughs) remember this guy i think he was in I think he was in Beast, but I'm not... Don't quote me on that. Anyways, so Jay's gotten kicked out, and since then he's been, like, doing his own thing because he's not, like, censored or whatever anymore, you know, so he can say whatever the fuck he wants. Um, And he has, like... He had, like, a podcast he was doing with another idol named Alexa, I think, and, like, um, he he's also just been, like doing shit on lives and just like talking shit or whatever but what got him in hot water initially like this past week was he he's friends with another idol her name is jamie and i like jamie a lot i think she's really underrated like as a singer and a performer she makes she does more like kind of uh korean r&b kind of music um and it's not as like upbeat as some people's and she also isn't like a part of a group so she kind of gets chubbed under the table sometimes which is sad because she's very talented but um she's also a bit younger than him i'm gonna add some context jay is like 29 fucking years old so let's bear this in mind going (laughs) into it um but he's he's known jamie for a long time like even before they were idols um but he was on like a live or something and he was talking about her and he was like uh he said something to the effect of like so why is jamie dressing like a thought recently and i'm just like oh okay buddy which she's not she's just grown up and like is wearing different clothes you know but um (laughs) Why isn't she dressing like she's three anymore? Uh, right. <laughs> Why isn't she dressing like she was when I first met her when she was 11? Um, but, like, it very weird comment, right? And he, like, laughed about it. And then someone in his, like, 
comments was like, oh, her lawyers are going to get you. And he was jokingly like, no, don't get me. I don't have money. And I'm like, bro, shut the fuck up. But, like, it was one of those situations where it was obvious that, like, he he knew he shouldn't have said it. So he was laughing, like, extra hard and, like, leaning into it extra hard and stuff. And it was just a really shitty comment to make. Um, it's shittier when you consider that Jamie <laughs> has been stalked and harassed by a male fan recently like very publicly oh, and has been dealing with that very publicly so you know just casually sexualizing her when she's going through that that's yeah, fun and helps her out fucking a lot. normal yeah. behavior right um but because of this people have started like bringing up all this old shit and some of it's not that old of like other shit he said and done and he's just kind of like a horrible person who's <laughs> like homophobic and says shit and is just like a fucking asshole um and like it's funny to me because like i feel like a lot of k-pop fans they don't even necessarily go for like the like separate art and the artist thing because it's so much of a package you know like you are like buying into the artist for the most first and foremost and then into the art a lot of the time um And so, like, people have been defending him, and one of the things, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, um, but some of his fans were defending him and being like, this was before the Jamie thing, it was when he was just saying shit, they were like, no, he's like neurodivergent and has ADHD, so he doesn't (laughs) doesn't know social cues, and I'm just like, okay, I fucking hate (laughs) y'all, for real. Alright, man, listen, (laughs) I'm tired of, listen, the ADHD thing, all that shit, I'm tired of it. sick of it. Just say, some of y'all just need to be honest, just say you don't feel like trying no more. (laughs) Just, just say, just, just say, I don't feel like being a person, and I'm gonna blame it on this thing that may or may not be true about myself. Yeah. I'm not gonna let you know if it's actually true. But <laughs> is it true? Hey, oh sorry. I hey, know. I know you were talking to me for the past five minutes, but I, I got ADHD. I didn't fucking feel like listening. <laughs> like just <laughs> Yeah. Like no. Like, I don't know. That shit kills me. Sorry. No, sorry. no, no. I you're just, right. That specific thing has been has been killing me recently because I think I saw because you you just like like I said yeah like Kyle said before we started like actually recording we were talking about somebody else like completely different like completely, completely different, different situation, situation. <laughs> or some like other side of the world situation where somebody basically did the same thing and about like what, what was it um, um, someone it's a person so who... I know what B I know what BL and GL are but ex- oh, yeah, explain it to okay, our readers so, so that they can be poisoned too if they don't already know so my wife got me on TikTok because she kept sending me videos and I was tired of opening them in my browser so now I'm on TikTok which is unfortunate <laughs> as someone who is almost 28 um but uh <laughs> but I the algorithm has just been like tormenting me personally recently and it started recommending fujoshis to me and for those of you who don't know what who fujoshis are they are um women who are obsessed with yaoi or boys love content and so it's um Basically, now you have a name for a lot of your female friends, some of y'all out there. Yeah, now you actually like know <laughs> what can, that is. I um, can call them out. Um, but yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically usually it's women who like gay men and are kind of 
obsessed and fetishize it oftentimes to an extent. Uh, some of them are a right. lot more hardcore than others. And I don't think every, I will say this, I don't think every woman who reads Yaoi is fetishizing them or every like non-binary person who doesn't identify as a man. I don't think you're fetishizing them necessarily. Um, you will know when you meet a Fujoshi. And if you have to question if you are one, you probably aren't one. So it's okay. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because there's been a lot of unfortunate discourse that I've seen over my time on Tumblr and stuff about this. And I just wanted to throw that in there. Anyways, this woman is a Fujoshi. Basically self-proclaimed Fujoshi. <laughs> um, and she has this huge collection of like manga and figures that like takes up this whole room in her house and probably other rooms i i've seen like a brief house tour that she did she looks like in a fucking mansion in virginia i meant to tell you that's also she's rich as fuck Incredible. um anyways so she has like all these figures and stuff and is very like obviously it's what she collects and so someone sent her a comment and they were like uh do you collect any gl which is girls love or yuri and she posted this reply video that was just this very long rambly thing that amounted to um no because i have adhd and if i focus on too many things at once it'll take over my house so if i focus on uh -huh. yuri and yaoi at the same time then i'll just get too wrapped up into it and spend too much money this is a woman who has like every single nendoroid for a specific like expensive all <laughs> anyways um it's it's very funny to me um but anyways this is <laughs> it's just like another example of like someone being like oh i have uh adhd and it's like okay <laughs> that doesn't mean yeah. anything like just say you don't like yuri and that you fetishize gay men like <laughs> let's just move on with our lives you think girls kissing girls is icky but Girl, guys kissing guys is hot just say that um, yeah just say that instead of dragging everybody with adhd under the bus with you <laughs> i am not affiliated with you um i don't want anything yeah, to do I don't, with that i don't know you i read stuff when, okay when somebody says hey why haven't you got around to this game i simply say um i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to play that game yet i'm not i'm not playing it yet or i don't want to read yeah. that yet. but I don't know. I think it's even funnier in the example you use of the the, the guy, you know, being a yeah. dick. And then people are like, oh, he's just an asshole because he has ADHD. <laughs> it's like, huh? Because he's, he's neurodivergent. He doesn't know how to be a nice person. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And I also feel like some of it is just like so reductive because I feel like we as a society have tried to get to a point where we can be like neurodivergent people aren't inherently assholes and aren't like shitty people right. inherently and while they may not pick up on things sometimes and some of the some people may be more neurodivergent than others and do have a very hard time with social cues that isn't like a fault necessarily you know but i feel like people have started using it as an excuse so often for their faves and being like oh well he has um I think he has autism and it's just like, <laughs> okay. Ooh, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. That's the other one I like here. And it's people just diagnosing people. They only know on the internet. Yeah. And I'm just like, autism. I, you just 
okay, you just came out here with that. Like, you hit the ground running with that one. I don't even know what mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fucking insane to me. And so, like, the whole thing with Jay is just, like, fucking insane. And some of it, I do kind of commiserate with this one person because they talked about how they've mm-hmm. been into day six, like, from pre-debut, which, like, for those of you who aren't into K-pop, usually before a group, like, officially debuts, there's, like, a pre-debut, like, promotion period where there's, like, some songs or, like, they are doing, like, V-lives and stuff to, like, interact with fans. And, like, uh, I know Stray... Was it Stray Kids? Yes, it was Stray Kids. They had, like, two or three, like, pre-debut songs, and I thought they had debuted, and then finally, like, a year later, people were like, they debuted, and I was like, I thought they debuted last year, but all right. Um, (laughs) You know, like, it can be, like, a very big production, but this is someone who had, like, followed them pre-debut and had seen Jay's YouTube account pre-debut, and on that account, he had a video where he was talking with another friend about one of their gay friends and saying, like, some heinous homophobic shit, not just like haha you're gay like bad oh. shit um Ooh, sl- yeah and so yeah, okay. someone Great. like and this was just like a post they made on their personal account that you know isn't that big or whatever and someone was like well like do you have proof of that and they were like look the proof is that i was there i it's been scrubbed <laughs> like it's been completely scrubbed. I can't find evidence of this, but I witnessed this. And, like, you don't have to believe me, but it was there. Mm. And I relate to that so hard because I've been in fandom so long. Like, I've been in fandom since I was, like, 14, 15, and I'm almost, like I said, I'm almost 28. And um, Mm -hmm. I've seen artists who have drawn horrible shit said horrible shit done horrible shit and then like they kind of disappeared for a bit or i like blocked them or whatever because it was bad and then i see they're working on like i don't know fucking steven universe or amphibia or some shit yeah. like that you know and i'm just like and a dark horse comic yeah and i'm just like yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. um I know you draw child porn. Um, so it's like, it, but I saw it with my own fucking right, eyes. But I don't have proof. Like, it was in a rumor. Right, I don't have proof. Cause I didn't have like the foresight to screenshot it at the time. Cause I didn't think they would ever get right. big, you know? And so right. it's just like very hard sometimes. And you just have to kind of wait for them to out themselves eventually. Like what happened with like Emily who and stuff. And so it's, or, like, wasn't there that one person who, like, made a whole book that was just based off their South Park fan? Yes, like, God. There's so many authors yes. nowadays who are, like, honestly, even just fucking Raylos, like, even recent shit, and they get published, and it's just oh their God. fucking Raylo fanfic, and there's another one coming out, and I'm so pissed about it. Um, I'm really tired of... <laughs> this is going to sound really, like, bitchy, um, but I'm really tired of certain fanfic mm-hmm. authors just, like, publishing their fanfic as, like... A normal thing because it's not and it's weird that you're publishing it um because like i don't know like you didn't those aren't your characters first of all because like was it no cassandra yeah. stole stuff i think but like uh we had the discussion about twilight on here not too long ago but we talked about how 50 shades of gray was a twilight fan fiction originally and then there was another piece of media that is like Fifty Shades of Grey fanfic, which is, like, a little too Inception for me. Anyways, 
but yeah, which oh, that's so. I hate that that we that we've gotten to that point, <laughs> right? It's, really, like, it's kind of demoralizing. Yeah, it's almost like damn, that's what's popular right now. Like, like, right. and like, because like, yeah, you can enjoy whatever you want. But I remember learning that uh, Twilight was not Twilight. That uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was just fanfic, and it blew my uh, fucking mind. I was like, wait, you can yeah. do that? Like, you can just base something off of somebody else's shit, switch a few names around, uh, say they're not vampires, and it works. Like, I don't know. It's, right. it's very um, weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. And, like, to me, I think a lot of it kind of comes from, like, eventually canon kind of becomes fanon, where, like, there's certain things that are accepted in the fandom as, like, a canon fact, even though it's from, like, some fans' original thought about it or something. And so right. sometimes fanon takes over so much that like it's not even recognizable anymore which like mm-hmm. i understand to an extent i was into overwatch blizzard gave us fucking nothing so like i get it <laughs> but oh, like yeah. Yeah. there's sometimes where i'm like oh they're not even in character anymore like you can't even like tell this is these characters because you've just made them your ocs basically yeah and so like and i think once you do that it becomes very easy to make a fanfic work into a quote unquote original work. And that's so it's just very weird and like it's happened yeah. with Homestuck, South Park, it's happened with Twilight, it's happened with Harry Potter. Um It's happening God, right I'm now sure... with um what Star well Star Wars since the beginning of time. Star Wars, um, yeah, like lots of Raylo uh, fic. There's one that's published and then there's one that just got announced and I'm just like I'm tired of it. And I do think some of it also comes from like people who mostly read Wattpad or, like, AO3 who are, like, starting to read books and stuff, and they, like, people don't even, like, talk about genres anymore sometimes on, like, BookTok or, like, Bookstagram. Yeah, they talk about tropes, which is fucking weird to me. And my wife and I have talked about, like, how reductive that is because, like, a trope can apply to multiple genres, right? Like, just because you read romance and this is a trope doesn't mean that it's, like, not also applicable to, like... I don't know, like, hyper-realistic historical fiction or, like, um, fucking, like, hard sci-fi or something. Right, right. You know? And I know you're not reading that, (laughs) because that's, thick as fuck, and most people don't want to read it. Um, No offense, I do love hard sci-fi, but, like, some of it is very hard to get through. (laughs) Um, That kind of makes me, like, I don't know, it kind of brings up the question to you, because, I mean, like, I feel like that's kind of what some of it is, is, like, a lot of the writing is just based in fanfic, which, like, uh, obviously, like, yeah, people should write fanfic. It's good writing exercises. Yeah. Like, that's cool. And people should have yeah. fun. Like, have fun doing what the fuck you want to do. I don't, I don't write fanfic. I, yeah, I, I, I don't find myself creative enough to do that. I just can't do, I can't put myself in that headspace for some reason. It's hard. But, like, I don't, I don't know what it is about it. Like, maybe it's just more accessible for people because they're used to, like, reading like these specific kinds of quote unquote tropes. Cause I, I like, you're right. The trope thing is really weird. Cause I feel like I see that more and more, the more we talk about it, just more people mm-hmm. going like, Oh, enemies to lovers or like, Oh, there's this one to this one and all this stuff. But like, I don't know. It, it just sucks. Cause it's like some of the stuff is so close to being an original work, but you just know that they like <laughs> got like 95% of their inspiration from like, you know, an anime or something, which is fine. It's just like, I feel like they don't, form it enough sometimes and then it's just like yes. oh you literally just changed the characters because i mean it, it, it's kind of like 
when you have a favorite artist on Twitter or something and you realize like, oh, they don't have an OC or like original drawings. A lot of it is mm-hmm. just like fan art, which like, right. you know, that's a whole other discussion because some people can't get their shit to get looked at unless it's fan art. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it's, that it's another very, day. Like, that's discussion, yeah, but... that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's just like the more because I remember seeing it at, like in college, how many friends I had who would like brag about like, oh, I'm getting a book published. And I'm like, well, anybody can do that. Like, it's not like super like hard to yeah. do that. Like, congratulations, but they would do it in the way where it's like, I'm J.K. Rowling, bitch, and it's like, okay, I hope you're not. But yeah, I um, hope the fuck you're not. It, it, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's just I don't know. It's just a really weird landscape right now for that stuff. Yeah, because I feel like it is like intermixing with like all the fanfic stuff. But like that's the thing is like I don't want to say that's like straight up a bad thing because it's mm-hmm. cool that people want to write and they want to do stuff but i feel like some of them are just like all right control find replace this name replace this name and location yeah all right cool now i can send it into the publisher and everything's fine yeah and like like i said before i have written fan fiction which i hope none of y'all ever find and if you do do not at me i don't want to know don't say anything. um i don't want to know <laughs> um but uh like i collect like fanzines and stuff like when i'm invested in a piece of media i seek out like Mm. fan merchandise and stuff and i have a lot of stuff from fandoms i've been in and i support stuff like that i think it's really important and i think that like the communities that spring up around stuff are really cool in a lot of ways the only thing that bothers me is when people try (laughs) to pass it off as their own work and like i get that like you can build this whole thing based off of it because like if you go back to my, like, the core, like, the root of my original characters, they were original characters <laughs> that were made for Homestuck. <laughs> they were fan trolls, like, right. for a lot of my characters. And, but the thing is, like, they're not anything like that anymore. They've transformed a lot. They've changed. Mm-hmm. And they also weren't a canon character. And so, like, they were already an original character. It was just within a certain universe. And then eventually they grew and expanded beyond that, which is fine. I have no problem with that kind of thing. What what just gets me is when I'm reading something and I'm like, this was like, oh, God, I don't even know. Um, I'm trying to think (laughs) of, like, some pairing. I don't know, like, uh, Tony Stark, Steve, what's his fuck name? Um, (laughs) Like, it was, like, that originally, yeah. and you can tell, and it's just, like, they changed the names, and, like, maybe Tony's not a war criminal in it or something. <laughs> but he doesn't have all the drones. Yeah. yeah. Well, um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's, like, it, it's so close that, like, you can tell. Or I, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's the thing, is I feel like some of them feel like they are getting over on people, like, oh, they don't know. And it's, like, nah. Some of them do. Some of them really tell exactly where this comes from. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets weird so quickly. And (laughs) I mean, we've talked about like transformative work on here before and how like Berserk itself is inspired by several things. And we talk about media that's inspired by Berserk. And you can see like homages and like 
certain things that come through where you're like, oh, that's definitely, like, a berserk scene or something. But in my opinion, there's something very different from, like, taking an aspect from a work and applying it to your own work than just taking the whole thing, like, wholesale and, like, making, like, a coffee shop AU in it or something. I don't know. I'm just, like, I'm just, like, throwing stuff out there. But I think fan work has merit as fan work, and I think original content has merit as original content. And I think if you mix them two too much it dilutes them both to the point where like it's not either of them and it doesn't it just feels bad man just doesn't feel good yeah it just it just doesn't doesn't work out yeah i it's interesting i'm I'm really interested to see where some of this stuff goes because Mm -hmm. like i don't know that's one thing i have noticed is there are a lot of people getting hired to like write books write on tv shows Mm -hmm. write entire tv shows and they're like internet writers or like people who I have, I shit you not, I have seen so many people who I cannot find their writing pages. I cannot find like what examples they have or what else they've written mm-hmm. for. And these motherfuckers are writing on TV shows now. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure um, the la- the newest season of Gossip Girl on HBO Max, like five people I followed said that they're suddenly writers on it. Oh. And I'm like, huh? That's why. Like, who are you? <laughs> like, why are you a writer on this now? So like, like, and and that's the thing is like, I feel like, there's so many different ways to get into those spaces now. And I'm not saying you have to like go to like writing school to be a great writer. Like that's not, that's obviously not true. Right. But like, I do feel like some of these people are getting like these gigs based off of like snapshots of them being funny for five minutes. Yes. And it's like, okay, do you know that they can write an episode of TV though? Cause I'm funny too, but I know for a fact, if you put me into a writer's room at this very second, I would be, in shock i wouldn't wouldn't know what to do like like do i think i'm funny in in spurts yes if somebody asked me write a whole episode of tv show right now like within the next month i don't know what i would do and i i don't know like some of this shit i'm just like wow this is like the internet is bleeding into all kinds of media like it has been for the past like couple decades right but like now I feel like they're just like handpicking people like, oh, you have 300, you have 30,000 followers. Yeah. Um, do you want to be, oh no, you have a popular leftist podcast. Do you want to be on succession as a minor character what? for no fucking reason, even though you're inconsequential to the plot? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, I don't know shit about who don't know. So um, a podcast, a podcast I have never listened to. I hate everybody associated with it. Three podcasts, never bring them up to me. Uh, Come town. Red Scare and El Trapo Trap House. If you bring them up to me, I will shoot you in the face. <laughs> um, so the two women from the the two women from the Red Scare podcast, um, which by the way, for context, these are all like quote unquote leftist podcasts. But really, is just a bunch of edgy white people who want to talk no, about perfect. how they know things better than other people political wise and say slurs on their podcast. But um, yeah, two of the women from both of the women from Red Scare. I think I think it's two or three ladies. I don't know, but two of them have been in like multiple movies and TV shows in the past year or two. Most of which are terrible, but they're from like major companies. And one of the girls was in the newest season of Succession as a minor character. From what I can tell, had like nothing. Didn't actually do anything. Damn. But she's on a HBO TV show with like almost no acting credits before. So like, I can tell that like. I don't know if like Hollywood's panicking or anything like that. Cause this is like not the first time I've seen this, but I see like, like, which is like, I have mixed feelings about it. It's like, okay, cool. Like you're getting less elitist, but at the same time, now you're just like peeking out your door for a second to go. Who's popular. 
Oh, that white chick. All right. Yeah. Get her over here. Let's put her in the show real quick. And then we can we can say that we pay attention to stuff. Right. Like, it's just really strange. Like, I've been seeing like, I, th- I think there's actually a person this person I follow who she's really funny. I think her name's like Grace Freud or something. But she posted like this fucking hilarious video about like how many trans people are there in the world. And like the answer was something stupid, like nine billion trillion six hundred mm-hmm. or something like that. Like She did dumb math on purpose. But it's like a comedy video. And now she writes for Rick and Morty. And I'm Whoa. like, wait, what? When the, okay. <laughs> like, when the fuck? Like, how do these things happen? So if you're out there and you're funny on the internet, um, you can get a job now. I just don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Yet, so I think. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I think man. in certain circumstances, like, I mean, we've talked before about like rich leftists on here who have like very well produced podcasts and stuff like that, that aren't necessarily like a bootstrap mm. scenario. It's because they already had money. So I think that in some ways, um, like, it might seem like it's out of nowhere, but I feel like with some of it, it has to be nepotism, right? Like, it's still like that elitism. I don't know. It's very weird. It reminds me of, like, when I started seeing, um, like, kombucha chick and, like, commercials and stuff. And I was like, oh, good for you. But, like... I I went um, to school with her, yeah, by the way. (laughs) What? Yeah, we were at AM at the same time. I like saw oh her on camera. She's very annoying. But n- anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um I feel like we have both have so many like I kind of know this person who is famous, but don't actually know <laughs> them. And it's very weird to see that they are famous now. Um yes. <laughs> like a lot yeah. of those moments. Um but yeah, like, I guess I get commercials more than, like, acting in something or, mm-hmm. like, being, like, yeah, I don't know, like, a career storyboard writer on something. And, like, I don't know. It's very weird to me also just because, like, I, I know a lot of people who are very, very talented artists who should have, like, those roles and stuff. Yeah. And I know they get overlooked and knowing they might be getting overlooked for that kind of stuff is kind of... Uh, it makes me feel something. Uh, we'll go into that another time, though. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We 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 definitely have other stuff to get get to, but no, I I do agree <laughs> with I do agree with that just because it is like it's weird how like it's the same kind of shitty hiring that they're doing, but now they're mm-hmm. trying to act like they're plugged in. But really, right. what it is is that now they're like people in their thirties who have been on the internet long enough and they have friends. They're like, hey, yeah. you come over here. I got a job for you now. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Sorry, last one before we move into Berserk. I just remembered oh, another good. person. This is how much this shit occupies my brain. Um, Sarah Squirm, who's like super popular online. She's an SNL cast member now. And yeah, she's been an SNL cast member since I think this season. Oh, wow. And very internet humor. Like was yeah. only on the internet. And then SNL was like, hey, get over here. So yeah, no, they're all trying very hard to capture something, but they're still looking at the same like archetypes if that makes sense so yeah no just fun fact um if you see somebody who's famous on the internet they might actually be like actually in the industry so um it's crazy um i don't like it you know <laughs> we're, what? we're supposed to be here uh, groveling by ourselves on the ground we don't need these famous people <laughs> <laughs> um last thing last thing i promise um it does kind of feel to me in a similar <laughs> way like what we we're talking about with tropes and genres but it's like with people who are funny in like 10 second bits and people who are suddenly having to act in full shows and stuff like that like it feels kind of similar where you're taking like a very mm. internet thing and applying it to 
an existing concept and it doesn't always like mesh well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, no, I think that hits the nail on the head. It's just, it doesn't always mesh well. I think that's just the easiest way to say it. Let's, Let's rock. rock. Yeah. But, um, you know what does mesh well? This transition into talking about Berserk. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh God. Anything to, anything to not talk about, um, how salty I am about other people being famous on the internet. Oh boy, yeah. Well, I love my job. I don't hate it at all. No, we're all uh, so good right now. Um, both of us are doing what we really want to do in life. Um, but, um, anyways, for real, for real, transitioning over into talking about what you guys are actually here for, which is not our like. <laughs> super long analysis on K-pop stars and uh, media personalities. Um, But if you are into that, thank you for listening. We really like to talk about it. Um, So please keep coming back. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Before we super get into today, um, a little brief like recap of last time. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to remember where we were at. Okay, so last time we were still on um, the assassination, or the attempted assassination, and then the actual assassination. (laughs) It was a (laughs) two-parter. And so we were on the hunt with um, our Band of the Hawk and with all these, like, nobles and everybody, and uh, Griffith had gotten shot in the chest by an arrow, a poison arrow. Um, because Count Julius was like, I had this totally original idea to kill him, and nobody told me what to do, especially not Minister Yeah, Hoss. nobody. Um, it was <laughs> all my idea, and wacky hijinks. Um, but uh, what wound up happening was Griffith was not actually dead. He was fine because the bailet protected him. It, like, was one of those, like, movie moments where he like pulls the bible out of his like jacket and it stopped the bullet it was like that (laughs) but with the bailet um so he's fine and casca is incredibly worried about him but he's like nah like i'm good it's fine and then as like people are starting to move on from everything griffith has a connection and he realizes like ah it was Julius and gives him his very trademark, like, I'm going to kill you face, which is yes. one of my favorite things about Berserk right now, honestly. It's just so, I can't wait till we watch the anime because it's such an intense face. It's just, it's so yeah. unhinged. But um, anyway, Julius is not happy that his assassination didn't go to plan and that, in fact, it only made Griffith more popular because it looked like he saved the princess from an assassination. And so, basically, his plan went all to shit. And after he sends off the guy that he had hired to assassinate him, he was like, Oh, shit. Can he, like... Does he know it's me? No. <laughs> no, nah, he doesn't know Never. it's me. It's fine. Um... And, like, this kind of becomes a theme, and we will see this later as we talk about uh, the chapters for today, where people are like, does he know? No. Surely surely not. And uh, just this running theme of underestimating Griffith, which is never a good idea. Um, Super dumb. 
super dumb. But uh, meanwhile, while all this is happening, Guts goes to visit Griffith because he called him to his office. And after giving Guts the Kama Sutra to read, because <laughs> why not? Um, he asks him to kill someone for him. Um, and so... I remember when I was first reading that, too, I was like, oh, like, we just got this one assassination, and it was like, no, there are two, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, and the second chapter that we went through last time, Guts is on his way to kill Julius, and he is, like, doing Assassin's Creed shit across rooftops to get to the villa mansion i'm not sure what you would really call it yeah, like the fancy rich his hat his fancy rich home um but when he's up on the roof he happens to see julius and his son um sparring and it reminds him of his own childhood where he was never good enough for gambino and all like getting the shit knocked out of him and like maybe got like a like slight token of like apology but never an actual apology from his father figure and so he's he's resonating with this kid pretty hard but he has a job to do so he's like okay i gotta snap out of it i gotta like finish the job so <laughs> yeah and so uh it cuts to um back up in, I guess, Julius's office, library area, wherever he conducts his business. Um, right. And a manservant is kind of like, hey, uh, your son, he's like, maybe you should not be like that with him. Um, maybe you mm. should calm down. And he was like... Is that beating the shit out of him? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I guess I've been taking my frustration out on him. Maybe I could be better. And like, just this really half-assed, like, I guess I was mm. shitty. I don't think so. Shut, but I, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I guess. Um, so the guy leaves, and then uh, Julius is alone in his office. And that gives Guts the opportunity to come in. It's this very dramatic, funny scene. It's funny to me just because of how dramatic it is. But, like, Guts opens the window and, like, all the candles go out and it's dark. And Julius is like, what? Who? And then he, like, sees, like, a shadow. And, um... Before, yeah, it's our boy. Uh, but before he can get to a sword, Guts is already, like, chopping into him and kills him but right before julius dies he manages to pull the hood off of guts's face and realize as he's dying that it's griffith's right hand man and so that's kind of that's almost where we left off but um before guts could leave and like you mm. know be stealthy which you know this is definitely Those a things mission. don't mix yeah. yeah this is definitely a mission tailor made for guts um <laughs> Silent, uh, silent assassin guts. Yeah, he's he's working on his rogue class. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but um, as he's getting ready to leave and kind of like trying to recover from killing a man not on the battlefield, which is a weird sensation for him, he mm -hmm. hears someone at the door and reflexively, just to like cover his ass, he stabs through them. And, like, pins them to the wall, like, stabs through them. And then only after he's, like, completed this action, he realizes that it was the Count's son, uh, Adonis. And so 
he's killed the boy that he was resonating with so much before. And that's where we left off last time, which was very depressing. Yay! So nice. Ooh. God, and, and honestly, the beginning of the chapter you're about to get into is, like, my least favorite part of <laughs> this whole interaction anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, I wish oh. Mira wasn't so good sometimes. Yeah, this um, is definitely a case of Mira, like, <laughs> really delivering hard-hitting emotions well. But, um, so we start off this chapter, uh, if you're reading along on readberserk.com, which is definitely legal, um, it's it's chapter 11 on there, and I believe it is, let me see, it is Assassin Chapter 4, if you are keeping up with, um, some other site or with the actual volumes. Um, Volume 6, I think, if you have Ah, actual volumes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um... We open up basically where we left off, and Adonis is just kind of stunned because Guts's sword is like half the size of his torso wide to begin with, and it's just like through him. And he's yeah. sliding down the wall, sliding off of the sword. There's a lot of blood involved. Um, and Guts is still kind of processing what is going on like as Adonis is not quite dead and reaching out to him for help um and (laughs) sorry this part like you're right this is like my least favorite part of this um this little arc it's very hard to deal with but um Guts takes his hand and is like trying to kind of comfort him as he's like choking on his own blood and then Adonis dies and it's it's just a very sad death because you know we got to see him before where like he was just struggling to like meet his dad's expectations and didn't even really do anything wrong and then now he's gone you know it's like in an instant yeah. basically uh especially for the reader and so guts is horrified with himself which is completely understandable especially since he saw so much of himself in adonis um mm-hmm. But he doesn't really have any time to dwell on it because guards heard the disturbance and they come up the stairs and they see someone, Guts, <laughs> like the faces are kind of blurred out, but you know, it's Guts and Adonis and they see that Adonis is dead and they're like, oh shit. And then before like anyone can do anything, Guts' reflexes kick in again and he's slashing his hack and hacking his way through the guards. He pulls yeah, his hood back no up. Yeah, it's uh, the perfect crime. God. It's a good <laughs> thing that fingerprinting wasn't a thing around this time. I will just say that. Um, yeah. But the entire like mansion is in an uproar because they think a robber broke into the Count's chambers and killed him. And then um, that he also killed Adonis as he was escaping. And uh, the manservant, the butler, whoever this man is, um, is he, he was kind of more of a father figure to Adonis than the dad was. And so he's very, very broken up by this, which understandable. I think anyone would be because it's a kid who's, <laughs> you know, just blood out on the floor. But yeah. he's obviously upset about this. And so he's like. I want you guys to find this motherfucker and I want you to kill him. And like, there's like not any room for like error in this. So, um, we cut again and it's, 
it's kind of weird to have a guts battle scene in the middle of all this, but also feels like yeah. appropriately jarring in a way. I'll talk about that more later. But um, guts is hacking and slashing his way through all of these guards, and he manages to jump off the wall into like some trees to land on the ground, but not before he gets a crossbow bolt in his arm. And he's looking for a way out, and he finds a sewer entrance. And so, without really any other options, he kicks in one of the bars and jumps into the sewer. But as he's landing, he hits his Ugh. head really hard on something, which, like, you can what? feel. That is a very, yeah. like, impactful panel. It's just like, ooh. Um, he's got the, the, uh, the wavy danganromp eyes. Because he oh my god, rock. he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. Um, but as he is being concussed, he remembers a time when he was fighting Gambino. And um, he's, you know, kind of reflecting on it. And he said, I was always desperate, always trying to get you to appreciate me. So it's obvious, like, his dream and his concussion memories are kind of like merging with his thoughts from earlier that he wasn't really letting himself think about. Um, yeah. But before he can get too deep yeah. into this, um, a shadow appears and it's Zod standing over him and Gambino, yes. which is a very yeah. cool page, by the way. Um, right. And, and Zod's face isn't like you can't even see his entire face. Yeah. He looks somehow menacing because you can't see his face. Yeah. Cool. Like you can see the glowing eyes, but not really anything else um, on the face. You can see the rest of the body and he's in like his beast form. Um, but before anyone can really react to that, uh, Gambino's head is cut off, which is traumatizing for Guts, <laughs> and he runs forward to try to attack Zod, and he himself gets stabbed through the chest. Um, and as Zod is standing over this dead child version of Guts, I should have mentioned that, this is like baby Guts, um... Zod is breathing heavily and we keep zooming in until we realize that Zod doesn't have Zod's beast face. He has Guts's face um, instead, which is a really good panel, by the way. Yes. I really like that a lot. Really good. Um, but that's all we get out of that because he wakes up and ha definitely has a concussion. <laughs> he is bleeding yeah, from his head, from his nose. Um, he's coughing. He's dazed as fuck, um, but he knows he has to get out of the sewers and report back to Griffith. So, guts being guts, he keeps on trucking. Um, and then we cut back to the castle town, and we come to a tavern. It's a much warmer, brighter scene than we were in before. And the rest of the band of the hawk is just kind of like hanging out and chilling because Griffith is at like a fancy dinner party. And... Um, Corcus is being a dick as per usual, but everyone else is just kind of hanging out. Um, Casca's there, and like it seems like she's just pretty relaxed. Like she seems like she's thinking about stuff, but she's not in like a super high alert mode or anything. It's nice seeing her in a more like neutral environment for once. Right. Um, but around that point, Rickert asks where Guts is, and he's like, I haven't seen him since this morning. And Corcus is like, oh, whatever. He's probably just, like, swinging his sword around or some shit. I don't know. But um, Casca's like, he's goofing off, obviously, because we were supposed to have joint practice today, and he just didn't fucking show up. 
Um, but as she's like getting ready to like start her little like speech, she sees guts in the doorway of the tavern and he looks like shit. Um, he's, he's like covered in sewer and in blood and God knows what else. And got hepatitis Q is, (laughs) he's so fucking tired. It looks like his pants are like super crusty too, which I noticed my second read through. I was like, Ooh, um, (laughs) but all of them kind of notice him and they're like, Oh, Oh, what the fuck? Um, but Casca goes up to confront him, and I think probably just to try to, like, when she worries, she tends to, like, yell at people, which, given who she's around all the time, I get it. Um, but she's like, where have you been? It's been a horrible day. Why do you look like that? And he's just, right. all he can do is ask for Griffith. And she's like, uh, he's at a... Uh, dinner party that the princess is hosting and he's like cool and he turns to leave (laughs) Um, (laughs) he doesn't even say anything to her he's just like all right bye yeah he's just like um and as he's leaving um casca notices that he has an arrow or like a crossbolt bolt wound on his arm and ricker and um judo are there also and they're just kind of like what the fuck happened um because like guts isn't like the cleanest person in the world but he has like a certain look about him you know like he doesn't normally look like he's been crawling through like the trenches for hours <laughs> there's maybe um, fantasy land but, like you know guts like takes a shower at least every five days or something like, like yeah <laughs> he like he jumps in the river occasionally like he doesn't normally look this bad but um <laughs> we cut to in front of the palace and there's this a huge fuck off staircase. When I first saw this, I was like, "How tall is this fucking staircase?" God damn. Um, but he he's approaching, and like he can see the palace and like this beautiful fountain, like right in front of the palace. It's very picture picturesque compared to him. But as he's ascending the stairs, he sees Griffith like coming out and standing in front of the fountain. But um, before he can approach him or call out to him, he realizes that Griffith is there with the princess. And that's where it kind of leaves off. They're both in, like, these very, like, regal, like, party finery, very ballroom attire. Um, It's a really good... Fancy. It's also a very good panel. It's very well drawn. You can see every single frill on the princess's dress um appreciate the detail but that's where we leave off for chapter 11 or chapter 4 of the assassin arc and that is technically the end of the assassin arc i don't know if you guys have noticed some of these arcs are named things and then they don't exactly end um, yeah. <laughs> when the thing is done happening. So that's kind of why we split today's episode up like that, like Cal said earlier. Like, we're just trying to, like, like put a bookend to the shit that's happening now. Because, it, like, it does continue, but, like, there's this very specific plot ends today. So we'll get through it. But, yeah. Um, with that, we get to the end of Chapter 11, beginning of Chapter 12. Um, this, this chapter is called Precious Thing. Uh, which I'm just going to go ahead and call it Assassin Part 5 or 6. I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> but um, we, we get this really um, sick uh, opening panel of just Gut sitting with all his gear. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much just as detailed as that last panel Cal was talking about at the end of Chapter 11. 
Um, it's his helmet, which we've seen him with that helmet or a version of that helmet for a while now. It's kind of iconic to him at this point in, you know, beat the band of the Hawk and stuff and the rest of his armor. And of course, the gigantic fuck off sword that he is known to carry. Um, but right after that, we go back to the ballroom scene, except we go inside of the actual house itself. So we see the, all the nobles and all the fancy men dancing with their ladies and their gigantic dresses um some of the facial details on this is actually very interesting because he uses like softer features on everybody i don't don't know you can tell these people aren't main characters but they're drawn a little differently as well it's pretty well done Mm -hmm. but you know this first page is you know you can kind of just imagine music happening and then we kind of zoom out to outside where griffith and chris um charlotte is standing outside which as we know now Griffiths at the bottom of the staircase watching them pretty much. Guts. So for the next few parts, suspend disbelief of what actual hearing is. Oh yeah, Guts. Sorry. I always get I always say their names differently. I did. Guts too. is at it's the bottom in. of the stairs, <laughs> watching Griffith and Charlotte at the top near the fountain. Um <laughs> so um suspend disbelief for a second. Kind of remember that um in TV shows in Mangaland, uh people can hear things from infinite distances. <laughs> so just keep in mind that Guts can hear most of this. Um, so we get back to the fountain and the Char- and Charlotte's kind of telling Griffith like, oh, I feel tired. I don't really want to be here. So he sits down to, s- to get next to her and we see, you know, of course, Guts is watching and he gets followed up by Tosca, who came to kind of either, you know, it's never really shown why, but she's either coming to check on him or to make sure that, you know, Gus doesn't fuck something up at the party for Griffith. Um, which she pretty much leads it up with and is like, hey, uh, don't embarrass Griffith as she, you know, bandages up his arm because she totally doesn't care about Guts at all, right? Yeah. Um, but as they're, yeah, no, she she doesn't care about him at all. So I'm going to read some of the dialogue here, but basically um, Charlotte, and, Charlotte and Griffith are talking near the fountain about how much she dislikes the parties and it's just a bunch of pompous garbage that, you know, her, fa- her father arranged so that, you know, people can act like war happening but the war is still happening and it's still terrible and if we're still holding parties like this then i really wish the war would just end um so pretty much by that point griffith is like yeah i mean i don't really get it either but we kind of have to do this because we have to attain our uh what do you say here yeah i'm just gonna read this specific section um, it can certainly it could certainly be that men possess that savage side, but that is a tool of which they secure and protect this precious thing. I suppose I suppose it is a double-edged sword. Which in this last section about the precious thing, um, a piece of the statue is being shown. It's a woman. Um, thanks, Mira, for helping us um, out with that. Because when he says precious thing, um, Charlotte immediately like perks up and is like, like family or a sweetheart or something. <laughs> And of course, you know, Griffith's talking his shit, so he ain't got, he he's not even about this. He's like, no, it's for no other sake except for a dream, which now we're going back to Griffith's dream, right? Which we don't know exactly what it is, but we're going back to, you know, his whole ambition, why he's leading the Band of the Hawk back to, you know, well, why he's leading the Band of the Hawk to do all of these extravagant things, right? Um, he says, uh, one who dreams of world domination, one who devotes his whole life to the thorough tempering of one sword. If there is such a dream which takes one his whole life to find, there are also dreams which, like storms, devour tens of thousands of other dreams. Um, so he he's kind of going on this spiel about how he's basically taking his time to like focus on his own dream and will sacrifice whatever it takes, basically, to get to it. And whether that's a fancy party or, you know, bullshitting with these fancy people, he has a goal that he really wants to accomplish. But... <laughs> 
there comes this very specific part that Guts does here, like loud and clear as Griffith says it. Um, a man should envision such a lifetime once. A life spent as a martyr. Ultimately, to be born and then to simply live for no other reason, I can't abide by such a lifestyle. Some, so, which is funny because they kind of position these panels like Griffith is talking to Guts, but Guts does take it very personally, right? Um, and, you know, Griffith kind of has a moment of self-reflection. He's like, it's not boring, right? Like, I'm just talking to you like all the other guys do, right? And she's like, no, no, you're wondrous. Um, I've always thought you were, like, different than other people because you seem magnificent for somebody so young. Um, and I could tell that you are nobler than any of the nobles <laughs> in this castle. <laughs> Which I, the first time I read, I wrote this down because I thought that that was just so corny, but it matches, you know, kind of where she's at at a maturity level because Charlotte's young, right? Like she's a couple years younger than Guts, but they're all like late teens, like pretty young people, right? So of course she's going to be a little corny. And, you know, she's basically flirting with him this whole time and calling him a wondrous person. And we flash back to Guts and Casca at the bottom of the stairs. And of course, Casca does not like this. Her fist clenches up a little bit and she feels like, you know, pretty much this, the same kind of feeling that Guts is feeling right now. Because at the moment, they're both at the bottom of the stairs standing next to each other, just listening to this conversation. And they're not even like looking at each other. It's kind of just like, you know, they're absorbed in one of this, these great Griffith speeches again, right? So as Griffith keeps going, he's like, yeah, you know, I do care about my friends. Because that's one of the things Charlotte mentions is like, you know, you have all these friends who've come so far with you because they're attracted to like your ambition and your charm. And he says, you know, uh, I think of them as excellent troops and we face death many times. And, you know, they're really dedicated to me. But to me, a friend is someone who would never depend upon another's dream. Someone who wouldn't be compelled by anyone, but would determine and pursue, and pursue his own reason to live. And should anyone trample that dream, he would oppose him, body and soul, even if the threat were me, myself. What I think of a friend is, is one who is my equal. And, you know, we get this really cool panel of Griffith finishing that last bit of his speech with Guts looking on. And if we remember correctly, Guts kind of dedicated his whole life to Griffith because he didn't have a purpose. So basically what he's saying now is, Griffith basically calling him a fucking yeah. chump <laughs> and saying like, you know, well, at least, you know, this is what we see from Guts's perspective is like his friend just said, well, he's not my friend. He's just my, like my, my troop. And oddly enough, we see, we see Casca also listen to this. We don't see the same reaction out of her, but she does notice Guts have this visceral reaction to um, Griffith just say this, and, you know, all, all Charlotte has to say is, wow, such amazing confidence. And, you know, at this point, Griffith decided he needed to stand on top of the fountain because um, he's getting shit off. Like, he, I guess he's like freestyle rapping. So he's just <laughs> really like getting into it. Um, but really, he kind of reels it back. And he's like, you know, I'm surprised I can even talk to this, to, you know, the princess of this kingdom, you know, someone so, such as beautiful as you. And right when she asks him what his dream is, you know, somebody calls the princess in because a disaster has happened. And, you know, as this all is unfolding, Casca turns around and leaves because she just can't listen to this shit anymore. Because, you know, it looked like they were about to kiss or something, right? Like, she's not around for it anymore. But as they tell him, as they tell Charlotte, your uncle, your uncle Count Julius is dead. Somebody assassinated him and Master Adonis in their quarters. And we get the most <laughs> evil, evil look in the world from Griffith, who he's hearing this for the first time as well just fucking satisfied that yeah so good through. guts did his thing okay cool that's all i need to know 
<laughs> and, you know, Casca, who we thought was leaving, um, she hadn't quite left yet because all the commotion started happening. But as she turns around, she notices Guts is like out of there already. He heard all he needed to hear. And I don't really think he feels successful about his mission, right? But at that point, we get the end of chapter 13, A Precious Thing. And we go into chapter 13. Um, so yeah, that's where that chapter ends, is Guts basically getting his heart broken. And Casca sitting next to him, getting her usual heartbreak that she gets from Griffith, right? Um, so we flash forward to um, another battle. We see the Midland family crest, which is you know where our boys have been right now with the Midland family. And we see um, basically they're getting ready for another battle, right? And then we see more ladies in the halls talking and going, oh my God, look, it's Griffith. Isn't he amazing? Um, <laughs> or, you know, this is the guy who could end the war, right? And, you know, we get this really sick panel of, you know, m more detail of Griffith in his full garb, his like really scaly armor with his falcon helmet as he, you know, walks through the castle getting ready to go outside, right? But... On his way there, he runs into Minister Foss. He's like, hey, how's it going? I heard um, that the Ben of the Hawk is the campaign's vanguard this time, you know, since Julius died. Um, and, you know, Griffith's like, yeah, no, I'm very honored. Um, I'll do whatever I can to make this happen. But um, keep in mind, uh, you know, oh, wait, sorry. No, let me, let me find that one. I got, I got ahead to my favorite part of this little conversation, right? So the minister and Griffith are talking. And, you know, maybe the minister keeps implying, like, hey, I kind of know what you did. And, you know, Griffith is like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, everything is fine. It's all good. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Right. <laughs> like, there isn't too much happening in this conversation. It's a pretty lengthy um, conversation. But all that's really happening is that Minister Foss is like, yeah, that assassin came through. It really was weird. But how did he get killed inside of his castle? Like, was it really a common beggar? Like. What's really going on? Did you see what happened to Master Adonis? Like, he, he thinks he can out Griffith Griffith, right? Like, he thinks he can finesse him the way he did Julius. But after Griffith walks away, as Minister Foss is thinking to himself, like, could he know? <laughs> like, he doesn't know, right? He didn't know I had anything to do with that. Because clearly he knows about the assassination plot, but he doesn't know, like, I did it. But as thinking that Griffith <laughs> is down the hall, turns all the way around and just gives him another like nasty look before he turns around and storms off right basically letting Foss know like I got my eye on you I know this was your plan right because let's be real no. Julius wasn't smart enough to come up with it um we flash to <laughs> we flash to like a foyer of some kind I think it's like the lobby of the castle basically and we see you know Casca and her garb her like fighting garb getting ready to go out and she's she's Griffith once again be approached by the princess the princess comes up to him and is like, are you leaving already? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're on our way to battle. Um, and she goes, okay, well, I have something for you. Um, it's a necklace made from lodestone, which, um, thank you, Dark Horse translation, is a naturally occurring <laughs> magnet. Um, she said it's not very val valuable, but, you know, it was something that came from her mother. Um, who I think, I don't know if they mentioned this. Her, is her mother dead? I'm not sure. I think it's just implied that she's probably dead. She is right? dead, but they mention it later, technically. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, but um, basically, she explains like that it means a lot to her, and she wants him to bring it back to her. Like, hey, um, this doesn't mean a lot. Like, it's not worth a ton, but I need you to bring this back to me so now that you're coming back. And he's like, yeah, I'll swear I'll give it back to you. It's no problem. 
And, you know, she's basically saying, I'm very, very, like, worried about this battle because I want you to come back to me. And, you know, as I'm reading this, I didn't realize there was so much of this, like, romance plot between Griffith and Charlotte because he doesn't really give her too much back besides <laughs> some of the usual, like, yes, I am knight. I will come back. But, you know, as she's doing all of this, Casca's there and she's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to protect him with my life. He'll be back to you. No problem. Right. Just gritting her teeth as usual. And, you know, after this happens, as they walk away to go to their battle, um, Charlotte gets called out by her mom. It's not her mom that she gave, like, not the mom that had the trinket that she gave to Griffith. Obviously, this is her dad's wife, you know, who's evil like, what do you think you're Evil stepmother kind yeah, of thing. Evil step, yes. She has the evil stepmother, like, archetype. She has very sharp features, like, very, very sharp features. She has eyebrows to die for and everything. And, you know, she kind of scolds him. And is mm -hmm. like, why are you giving com commoners, like, these very like royal objects that you need to keep for people who are of like better birth than this humble this man of humble birth right like he's garbage you shouldn't be giving him these things and this is a very small thing i i actually don't remember seeing the queen again even where i am like 10 or 15 chapters ahead of this but this is just like another small thing kind of to like remember that like hey like griffith is kind of infiltrating these spots but there's still some of them trying to get in his way, right? So, you know, Charlotte runs away because she's not trying to hear that shit. <laughs> but then we flash forward to, once again, another battle. Um, they're outside the castle gates. It seems like they're defending this time, or rather on their way to another battle. Which I think they're being sent the off here. Gate. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. We, we do see this battle. This battle that they're going into, we do um, see it. And do stick around with it for a little bit, right? So this isn't going to be all of it. It's very long. <laughs> it's a very long battle. Um, but yeah, so the band of the <laughs> hawk is once again on the road. People are cheering them on as they leave the castle gates, and we see guts leading his um, squadron. And all you can think of is the last thing he heard from Griffith as he was talking about the talking to the princess, which is what I think a friend is is one who is my equal. And he kind of is just sitting there stewing with that and puts his helmet on as they continue their journey. And that is where we end with chapter 13, the end of departure for the front. Slash. Slash. Yeah, so that the, that was three more chapters. Um, a lot to talk about. Specifically, I don't know, the interaction between Guts and Griffith, well, rather Guts watching Griffith like talk his shit, right? Um, I think mm -hmm. it's like, so it's such a good scene because I feel like there isn't like a real good answer to it. Cause I remember reading this and being like, ah oh, man, he really doesn't care about him, but which is still true. Right. Because he did kind of say like, they're not right. my friends they're my soldiers. But part of me, like as I read this for like the fourth time or some shit like that, I was like, well, he was talking to the princess. Like maybe, maybe, maybe he's just talking like, like he wouldn't give her all <laughs> of the secrets. Right. Like he, he wouldn't just be like, yeah, no, there ain't shit. Yeah, nah, baby, it's all good. That, those are just my soldiers. I don't have real friends. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, that 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 section was just kind of hard to watch because, like, from Guts' perspective, right, he just probably had another one of the most traumatic experiences he's had in his life in a while. Um, killing yeah. a kid that he didn't mean to kill. Um, it kind of just happened. And a kid that he not long before had seen a lot of himself in because, you know, child abuse right so <laughs> it's it's just really heavy to like see that moment when guts kind of like sees where he ranks in griffith's head because up until mm -hmm. that point i feel like he really did think that griffith like loved him for lack of a better like 
turn, right? Right. Like there was some kind of yeah, affection so. there that was unspoken, but like it like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a good way to say this. Like it was an unspoken yeah. thing, but he assumed that they both felt it. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, like think about it, right? Like Griffith had recruited him, he'd saved him from like the closest thing Guts has seen to a demon at this point, right? Like, and from Guts' perspective, it was like without batting an eye. Like, he ran in there and tried to save him and injured himself in the process. So, I guess, like, to turn around and hear the same guy go, nah, they're not really my friends um, because they don't have ambition, which is the most rise and grind culture ass bullshit I've heard. I know. In my entire I think, life. <laughs> like, it's I think so in my harsh, notes, you know? I have, like, uh, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he's stacking to the princess now and like all oh, shit. We all have the same 24 um, hours looking ass. Oh my god. <laughs> but, yeah, basically. I mean, it's like, as much as we talk about how like weird the sectioning of this stuff is, I, I think it's good that we finished that last part in conjunction with like this chapter because, like, we get to see Guts basically suffering from the aftermath of doing what Griffith asked him to, yes. to seeing how Griffith regards him, in a way. Yeah. And, like, I don't think it's that Griffith completely doesn't care about people, right? Like, I think Griffith does place value in people, but we've talked before, I think, about how, like, it's a very different kind of value than a lot yeah. of people would think. Yeah. Yeah, I, because I, I feel like it's too easy to just call him heartless, right? Like, I feel yeah. like it's way too easy to just go, oh, no, he's literally just using them. Because he has sacrificed himself. Like, whether that is right. his cockiness because he knows something about the Behalit we know, we don't know, right? Like, because one, one mm -hmm. thing you we did, we did kind of talk about last time, like, the Behalit protecting him from the poison arrow was so sketchy. And yeah. his, like almost like casualness about it was kind of off-putting because he was just kind of like oh yeah this blocked it no problem well anyway um <laughs> let's finish up the hunt and go back home like it, it was very like matter of fact and i i don't know i i feel like when he sends guts out to do this assassination i feel like he treats it almost like the same thing when he doesn't know that you know guts killed a kid he didn't wasn't trying to kill he also almost fucking died smashing his head against a rock after trying to run away from enemy soldiers who were trying to yeah. stop him, right? Like, and he doesn't even know any of this. And it almost starts to make you think, like, does he really care? Because, like, yeah, he cares about Guts. But sometimes I'm like, I don't even think he gives a shit that, like, Guts could have died during this, right? Like, it's his way of caring about people, which we'll get more insight into it, like, pretty soon, is very, like... It's damaged in a lot of ways that I, I almost yeah. want to forgive him in some ways. But it is also like, hey, you should like think a little harder about the people you're sending out to do all these nasty things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to say too much because I have read ahead quite a bit and I also have seen mm -hmm. the anime. So I'm trying not to like mm -hmm. get ahead of ourselves here. I really feel like the way Griffith cares about people is in terms of what they can do for him in certain ways. And, like, that's not always true, yeah. but yeah. I feel like, you know, he saves Guts repeatedly because he does care about Guts, but part of that care for him is tied up in, like, 
how Guts can help him win because Guts is so unpredictable, right? And he does care about Casca because she manages everything so well and he really appreciates that aspect about her, you know? Like, he always is complimenting her on those things while also keeping her at, like, a little bit of arm's length because he's not... He doesn't want to, like, commit, commit to a friendship with that. Like, I think there's a lot of... Again, like, (laughs) clues that he is relatively traumatized because... He are actually very traumatized because, like, he doesn't build healthy relationships with people. He just builds them in, like, the only way he can conceive of in that moment. And yeah. this is, like, not to excuse what he's doing because it, a lot of it is still shitty, you know? Like, asking Guts to go do this was obviously a part of a plot that he had, but he didn't inform Guts of a lot of it, right? So, like, while he does care about this person and, like sees like oh you are fit for this role that i have in mind for you right it sometimes it go beyond that in his head in my opinion mm-hmm. and so yeah. like you wind up with this weird like contrast of like i care enough about you to literally like sacrifice myself for you in front of like this huge demon that i've never seen before in my life mm-hmm. but also i'll just send you in for this assassination that i want to do it's very I mean, yeah, though it's complex, but it's just like the way he thinks about it. You almost have to like be in his head about it because it does come off as cold, like mm-hmm. just at a face value thing, right? It is just kind of like, oh, um, yeah, he's only using them. But we, we get this later. I'm not going to spoil it, but we do get some insight into how Griffith met Casca, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very specifically how he met her. Like we even get like entire scenes and everything. But I feel like that's the thing is like everybody who's talked about like Griffith picked me up when this or like this is when Griffith met me like it's almost like he was able to like see what was in somebody when they were at like their lowest point which is why it's I feel like a lot of these people are clinging to him because I feel like like when Griffith when Guts found them he was doing nothing and they jumped him and then he came into the group right but up until that point his life meant nothing Casca as we'll learn wasn't in a great place either yeah and I, I feel like it's like this thing within him where he's able to see like the potential or like the ambition in somebody else, mm-hmm. but it's almost like he knows that like they have nothing to live for, if that makes sense. Like that's why he's gathered this whole group of misfits. Right. But at the same time, he has his own shit within all of that. Right. Which I haven't gotten to Griffith's entire backstory yet. I know some of it from uh-huh. where I've read up to. I'm not sure if we ever get like a deep dive into it, but I feel like he almost chose some of these misfits, not only because like, yes, they're powerful and they faced adversity, but like it reminds him of him because mm-hmm. he came from a shitty place too, you know? So yeah. it's, it's like he sees himself in him himself in them, but he also thinks of himself as different because he has these lofty ambitions that he knows only he can do, right. which is kind of insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane way to think about things. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think he's also like, most of the time not all of the time as we would see but i feel like he is either like either logical to a fault or operating entirely off of feeling and like you can we'll see that a lot more later but like i feel like with when he's planning things it's just like oh this is what makes sense you know and like it's sometimes it's these like pieces that only he can see like you said like you have to get in his head for it and honestly probably a lot of it is only shit he could do because some of it is kind of out there and you're like how did you 
you, okay. I don't know how you got there, but all right. Um, so like yeah. he has like yeah. this internal logic that he operates by. And I think that like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And like a very, not exact way, but like in a way I do kind of relate to that sometimes because sometimes when I am in like, a crisis mode, for example, I operate more logically than I do off of like thinking about what people need necessarily. Like, I'm like, this is what we should do to move forward from this, and not necessarily thinking about that person's feelings in that moment. And like, I think his whole life is kind of like that because of his trauma in a lot of ways. And so, what winds up happening is he does seem very cold and he does seem very callous, but like yes. it's not always intentional. <laughs> and like, I sound like a very big apologist here, and I kind of am in a way in this instance, but like, I think that, like, if you, I think sometimes empathy is a hard thing to wrap your head around, and like, as empathetic as we want to be, sometimes it's not always possible within certain circumstances. Yeah. So, that's kind of how yeah. I feel about that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree though. This whole conversation just like <laughs> hurts like fuck. Um yeah. and it's 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 a weird thing because you have the you have this dynamic again where Griffith is being honest enough to like endear himself to you, but he's also like obviously yes. leading the princess along a path he wants to go on like he mentions a precious thing and she's like oh like a sweetheart and he's yes. like yeah and then he like remembers another thing he wants to say so he starts like just talking his shit like you said and he's yeah. he says all these things and about like his dreams and like kind of revealing his own background without saying as much and then yes. um you know she <laughs> and then he like kind of catches himself and he's like oh fuck that was too much and then he's like aha teehee that must be boring (laughs) um but even that is kind of her being like oh but this is the first time a man has ever talked to me like this and so it's like he's getting back onto that flirtation path again you know and then she starts like complimenting him and be like oh you're so wondrous and magnificent and you're so noble but you seem very simple and carefree when you were like comforting me and then now you sound like a philosopher it's just like you're so many things which of course is stroking his fucking ego which you can see that's what he's trying to I, i feel like that's another thing about griffith like i feel like we don't really know what he thinks of himself right yeah like and he can put up a front but we haven't been in his head or like behind closed doors as much as we have been with other characters. Right. Like we, we will get that way with Costco more and like more into like insight into who she is and stuff. Right. But with him, I, I feel like we're only, we're made to assume that he's like, yeah, I'm the shit. I'm going to do all this. But I, I feel like sometimes he doesn't even have regard for himself. Oh no. Because it's almost like, well, if I'm not uh, if I'm not gonna do this, then it's not meant to happen. Which is why he sacrificed himself for for guts, right. right? Which is why he does crazy shit, and it works out. And it's almost scary. Mm-hmm. There are a couple. There's one very specific thing that I thought we would have gotten to already that he does do, mm-hmm. and I think it's in the next couple chapters. And you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like I'll talk to you about it after. I don't want to spoil it for the readers, but we'll get y'all yeah, next. Yeah, I think it's right after this. <laughs> next battle yes we'll get we'll get y'all next week with it because it's it's pretty important but um yeah no it, it he's he's very complicated at this point but at this point we're going at everything from guts's perspective right. 
So back to that heartbreaking ass panel where it's it's a whole page actually. Yeah. Where it's him like looking up at Griffith talk like after he says, um, my friends are like what a friend is like my equal mm-hmm. after he just described all the people in the band of the hawk as not his mm-hmm. friends or not his equals. And you know, I, I like this panel, like I actually like almost like cried when I saw this the oh, first I time. Cry. Because like <laughs> he just got like Guts just got the shit kicked out of him. He just killed a kid. Mm-hmm. He had that he had a fucking nightmare where he was his own murderer because once again he can't stop thinking about uh Nosferatu Zod. That actually like shook him to his core. Yeah. He saw a demon in real life and nobody will believe him about it, right? Like that's another thing. Like clearly Nosferatu Zod still got a grip oh, yeah. on Guts's like brain right now, right? And, you know, that's another thing that Guts has been battling with is, like, whether he even needs to, like, be alive or what he's even supposed Mm -hmm. to do. And then when he does shit like that, like, it's almost too much for him. Because we didn't talk about that. You guys can't see it because, you know, it's a podcast or whatever. Whenever he stabs um, Adonis, Mm -hmm. I think is his name, is the, the kid's name. He like covers his mouth afterwards because he's he's trying to talk to him because he realizes he stabs the kid. He like pulls the sword out. He like tries to talk to him. He like grabs his hand. And he like is there for his last breath basically. Right? Like Adonis sees him, and like he tries to say like sorry or something, but he can't even get the words out. Like this was traumatic for him. And then he does all of that only to come to Griffith saying, "Yeah, I just send people to do shit for me. Um, but if if they actually had their own convictions, they would fuck <sighs> against me." Which is, like, the most insane, like, logic you'll ever, like, see <laughs> from any person in the world, right? Like, I don't I don't know. And we kind of see how this colors, you know, Guts and Griffith's relationship. Because during the Casca chapter, I noticed Guts talks about Griffith mm-hmm. a little differently. Um, and, and I don't know if he's mad at him. I think he's just more so, like, trying to reevaluate mm-hmm. his relationship or how he thinks about Griffith um or the band of the hawk because whether he wanted to say it or not i really think guts like thought he had found like people who like actually right. cared about him and he had just seen this whole scene where it reminded him of his father who he thought he cared about his father and his oh, father cared about him point. but we know what his father did to him and then once again another male figure in his life somebody he thought he could trust is just talking mad shit about him behind his back and yeah, he didn't say like, well, Guts is trash. You're like, I sent Guts out to do this because I know Guts mm-hmm. is going to fuck it up and kill the son, which is also not clear. We don't know if Griffith knew right. that was going to happen, right? I just think, I do think that Griffith thinks it's a bonus because it's just one yeah. less person in his way because he's just like that. But um, yeah, this whole section for Guts, I think we're going to see him like really like start to reevaluate like his position with the Band of the Hawk because like that's the last thing we see is him going like, well, I'm not even his equal, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? And you know, we we deal with that later. But yeah, yeah, poor poor guts, man. That part really like, broke my heart. I felt so bad for him because it's not even like a romantic thing. It's like he loves this dude, yeah. and, like has literally put his life on the line for him less than an hour ago. And you know, this panel specifically, where like Griffith is like the shining light for guts, mm-hmm. is like so messed up. It's it's. Really Really well done, but it's like you even get like the little flower mm-hmm. petals and stuff. It's, well, it's fucked up. all of this, like, all of this Poor mirrors, guys. like, right Poor after the Zod man. fight, right? Because 
Casca and Judo and Rickert were all talking about like mm -hmm. how there's a gap, you know, and it had like a similar smaller version of this panel where he was like in the distance uh, in the room with like the nobles and stuff and they were still outside. And then yes. also um when uh when Griffith is talking to Guts and he says like do i need a reason and stuff the flowers were also happening in that panel right so we're going from having that and yes. griffith being coy about whatever reason he saved guts to like basically finding out that mm -hmm. he does not care about guts in the way that guts thought he did and it's mirroring those like themes that happened around that time as well and I really like this panel a lot because of that, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, now we have a reason for, now we have that reason, at least Guts thinks he has that mm -hmm. reason that Griffith was talking about, right? Like, yeah, I need you, because, you know, yeah. you're my toy, basically. And, you know, like, even though, yeah, like, technically Guts, like, this is how he's been his whole life, right? Like, he was born to a dad, he was born to no parents, and then some dickhead who picked him up, mm -hmm. and then immediately used him. And then now he's into this other situation where he's being used again. But it's almost flipped. It's almost flipped, right? Because um, Gambino treated him oh, like yeah. shit like 95% of the time. And then occasionally, occasionally it was sweet on him. And I feel like it's the opposite yeah. with Griffith, right? Like most of the time when he talks to Griffith, it's playful or it's okay. Or Griffith's not like mm -hmm. being mean or anything. He's just being himself. But then when Guts does catch these glimpses of, you know, oh, well, they're not really my friends. They're just these people. And then he doesn't get anything, like, to repeat yeah. that. It, it kind of fucks with him, right? Because it's... Yeah, I mean, like, that's the easiest way to say it. It's the exact yeah. opposite of what Gambino was doing to him. Yeah, I... That's a really good point. I don't know. Yeah, no. And and that's and that's kind of what is interesting about this part, because this, this is setting up so much, right? Like, right. I feel like what Mira is doing really well is that, you know, we got into the into the band of the hawk but he's not moving at like light speed with everything happening yes right? like this is a slow build and of course we're gonna get more time skips we're gonna get some stuff happening faster mm -hmm. but like we're seeing G griffith like try to build his empire and like the consequences of what's happening to everybody else while that's happening right, right. like what is everybody else thinking what what has been happening up until this point what's some background that kind of makes us understand costco more like why is she right. so pissed about <laughs> everything uh guts coming around and we yeah we oh my god and she has reasons she has we, plenty, of reasons. Has plenty um, of reasons yeah yes i i you know and we'll talk about the casca chapter next next um next episode but i have so many feelings about that whole section because it's really well done and then some of the stuff i didn't like about it i realized i liked a little more than i okay thought i did because there's 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 like yeah because there's some stuff that i was like that's really fucking stupid <laughs> and then i went back and read it and i was like well it's still stupid but it's not that stupid okay. right like and, and i think you like you'll know what i'm talking about when we get there right but this whole little like middling around in midland uh midland texas obviously yes um, where you know we see guts and casca slowly grow closer right mm, like for yes. instance like casca came after him and tried to like heal him again and this time it was her healing him not because griffith said yo can you go lay with him so he doesn't die from like you know because you're a woman whatever. it was her seeing he was hurt yeah because you're a woman can you go lay with him and warm him up uh this time it was her being like um 
like of course she tries to hide it like don't go fuck up griffith's thing but really it was like he looks like fucked up Mm -hmm. and i need to go help him and you almost see her want to do that for him when he walks away after griffith says his thing because i feel like what's almost sadder to me is like it almost seems like Casca's so used to hearing him like talk about Mm -hmm. them like that because she's more hurt by him giving attention to the princess it seems like but whenever he's talking his shit she's like oh yeah he talks about us like that all the time right Right. but i still think that's part of her being like well i'm different because me and him have been through shit but i think she's also still coming to terms with like you know i don't think he's gonna love you the way he loves he's pretending to love charlotte because he does not love charlotte i think he's just he's just talking to charlotte to talk his shit oh yeah but yeah yeah i god we'll get into a lot more but i feel like a lot of Casca and Guts's characters like really take on their like core values in the next couple of arcs, and I am very excited to talk about that. Yes, you were talking about how like he kind of uses like the band of the hawk in certain ways and stuff, right? And he uses other people in specific ways too. And he basically says that right here because yes. he's talking about his dream that is this lifelong dream that he has, and then he's talking about the dreams that like devour everyone else's dream and like through this arc like from honestly from like post sod onwards you start to see his dream start to devour his relationships like devolve like his critical thinking in a lot of ways too like all these other things that are getting in the way become more and more minor even if they are a very serious thing because he has this end goal that is greater and bigger than anything else he could envision which is being a ruler basically which is like taking over and having that kind of power and we'll get into why he is so power obsessed later um yes it's very yeah it's yeah but (laughs) it's just like i don't know because like honestly when we first start with the band of the hawk like he is like this but he isn't like it to this degree right like we see him yeah slowly become more and more fixated with his dream and we'll get to a lot of that later but i i think this speech is just kind of the cornerstone of everything to come and i think it's even though it is again (laughs) griffith monologuing and talking his shit like it's really important (laughs) which is why we were spending so much time on it because there's so much to talk about with it i mean we we spent like an hour dissecting one of his phrases (laughs) like a couple of weeks ago (laughs) a a month ago whatever but like (laughs) uh, like this is there's so much in it that plays into everything else and i think mira did a really good job spacing it out and showing its impact on like different people around him because obviously the princess doesn't have any context right so she's just like wow he's so smart oh my god um and that's just kind of like okay yep and then guts is hearing some of this for the first time right and so he's just like oh oh shit okay because i think like like that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I you that's what you were talking about, but it's just interesting to see how this speech can be interpreted in three different ways. And I think that also again just kind of reinforces our discussion about um the do I need a reason line because it can be taken yes. so many different ways by so many different people. And like everything Griffith says has right. so many different meanings to different people depending on how you perceive him. And it's 
I don't know. It's just, he's a very good complex character, and, like, he's not even necessarily a completely likable character, but he's not also a completely hateable character in a lot of ways, too. And so you just get this right. very, like, mm, I don't know <laughs> kind of moment a lot of yeah, the time with him. Yeah, that's where I... That's where I am with him is like, he's very, I don't know. Cause he, it, but that's the thing is like, I feel like the man of the hawk. Cause they all, when they all talk about him, mm -hmm. what do they say? I don't know what he's doing, but he, he got some good ideas and he cares. He, he leads us really well. So um, yeah, this is fine. And then we see some stuff later where um, the band of the hawks numbers are really low compared to the people are yeah. fighting. And all Griffith can say is like, yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah. What do y'all got to say about it? And it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Cause like they're like outnumbered like one to five in some situations yep. like it's stupid but his ambition and the way he's like no i'm gonna get what i want and i don't care who gets who i have to step on to get my to get yeah. it um i feel like even he sometimes tries to act like he's not talking about his friends but right. he is and we kind of see that happen with the way he he wields the band of the hawk to do what he wants right. to do right and and you know, I'm more interested to see where this leads, Kato, where this leads. Um, obviously, we see where it leads, Guts, because he's basically the main. He, he is the main character, but also just where it leads the rest of the band of the Hawk, because you can see some of them already getting mm -hmm. uncomfortable with how schmoozy um, Griffith is getting, and how much he's not really caring too much. He's not really around them mm -hmm. as much either. Um, so. I don't know. I, I, I really like these chapters mostly because it is kind of like putting us in the front seat with with guts, seeing like why is it problematic that Griffith does see everybody like this? Like he thinks he's the main character of yeah. this whole thing. And sadly it's guts. <laughs> he th he thinks he's he thinks he like runs shit, right? Already before he right. even gets oh, it. That's and good way of we'll see how it. that kind of affects everybody else. But yeah, yeah. No, I I think like this chapter it's probably one of the most important chapters we've had in a really long time. Um, and it's... Yeah. I'm not sure quite what else to say about it. Just the whole speech is very good. And then the transition into the next thing. Because, you know, you go from this very complex speech to, like, him finding out that his murder plot went according to plan. And he's just like, ha-ha. Fuck yeah. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kid died. <laughs> fuck yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> big 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 griffith yeah. energy yeah it's because it, and it's one of those things where like if you're reading this like and i'm not saying like like if you've gotten this far into the comic right and i'm not gonna sit here and be a griffith defender if you just don't oh, like yeah. griffith i get it i get like not liking griffith at all at this point because he is cold and if you're going off of what everything that like guts has seen and how guts feels about it like he's making our boy feel bad like he made yeah, him commit child murder. Right. Like, i don't Why you make him <laughs> i get it you know i get not liking him but i i feel like he gives this this whole like manga like like a, a whole other layer of complexity just because it is like what is he doing and why is he doing it and why is everybody allowed to follow him? It's like, it's, I'm not going to say it's like a cult leader thing. Yeah. It would be too easy. Cause I feel like he put in different kind of work than that, but yeah, it's, it's more personal than that. Cause I feel like, yes, like a cult leader, he could say, yes, they are. Yeah. They're my family, but I use them for whatever, but I feel like more so for him, it's like, they are an right. extension of me. And that's incredibly problematic. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is that's not a whole different of like ball of wax right there. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I feel like I feel like you said it very well earlier when you were like 
I, I oh, this might have been like <laughs> this might have been a part we edited out. But like Griffith does view like people as tools, yeah, it's and like um, I think that's like important to keep in mind. Again, just like everything he does is purposeful in a way, and he uses the correct tool for the correct job. Mm-hmm. And even if it seems like it's not the correct tool. Like, if he sends, like, a hammer to go, like, I don't know, like, screw a screw into the wall or something, uh, <laughs> a la this assassination plot, um, like, it still has a purpose, ultimately. Like, maybe it's not being used, right. used in its intended way, but it has the end goal that he wants, for whatever reason, you know? So... Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's exactly. really good. I think, like, more minor details I think are really good are, like, right at the end where Casca is kind of, like, puts two and two together and you, like, visibly see that. Because, like, she hears that, right? She's like, oh, God, there, this dude died? And then she, like, sees Guts leaving and, like, takes in the wound. And she's like, oh, oh okay what (laughs) why wasn't i informed of this you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like this whole thing and then it just immediately transitions into the next thing right like it's it's over it's done we don't hear anything about the funeral or anything (laughs) we're just we've just scooted on um yeah just just moving past that yeah yeah oh my gosh but um, I feel oh like in God. chapter 13, uh, kind of like chapter 11, there's not like a whole lot to talk about because it's like you said, it's just Minister Foss, a fucking Game of Thrones guy just being like, oh, I I heard a rumor and it's like, oh, you heard a rumor. I think you and it's it. I, I don't know. I do like this scene just because it's that like noble song and dance where it's like. I heard this thing, and he's like, oh, haha, you're so silly. I'm just a nice. Interesting theory. That's so funny of you. <laughs> um, but, um, I don't know. I feel like this shows off kind of, like, how Griffith does interact with, like, other, like, members of the court and stuff very well. So it's a good, like, scene right. for that. But it's just so funny because, like, he thinks he's being slick, but he's obvious as hell. And, like, if Griffith had, like, yeah, he's poking. Right, and obviously, like, yeah. <laughs> and like, if Griffith didn't know before, of course he's gonna know now. Because he's like, ah, oh, I heard yeah. it was meant for you, and he's like, lol, okay, <laughs> that's weird. Um, but yeah, and yeah. just like insinuating so much shit, like, oh, like the only difference <laughs> is that. One kills inside the castle and one kills outside of the castle. And Griffith's like, that's wild. Anyways, I'm going to go do my shit outside the castle now. So I'm going to leave now. I, I, I think the, I think my favorite part of this little interaction is because it's, it's got a lot of meaning. And maybe I'm just tired and have been reading too much into stuff. But um, at one point, Foss tries to make Griffith feel bad. He's like, Oh, and yeah. you know, a kid died too. It must have been the work of a demon. And all Griffith has to say is, "It is the work yeah. of a man, not a demon minister." And and which is basically him admitting, like, "Nah, I did that shit. You don't have to." Say I'm, it's I'm demon. the demon. It, it was me. And at the same time, it was kind of like you did it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like if this wouldn't have happened, you would have came after me. Like it, it's he's so like he does this thing because he does it kind of with everybody where he has like this air of like. 
aggressiveness that only comes out when he wants it to because he's usually pretty cheery like when he's talking to Foss he's like smiling and like haha yeah it's all good well whatever but then of course like we said like, earlier he gives him the yes, death stare Jesus from across Christ. the hall as he leaves right like literally looks at him and he's like hey just in case the context didn't get through I know you tried to kill me and yeah I killed fucking Julius about it um which I saw that and I was like yeah Foss so what are you yeah. gonna do about it now do you also want to die like <laughs> yeah it's it's very um that last panel of foss where he like looks like someone stepped on his grave and he's just like fuck shit god damn it (laughs) it's a very good panel um terrified absolutely shook by um griffith being like yeah i did it so yeah, and, and you know, th- this chapter is worth oh, yeah. it just for that alone and a couple of the other world building things. I don't know if we see the queen later because they we do give do that see little section later. where she's just talking shit about how Griffith is calm. She, she plays kind okay, of an do. important-ish okay, role in an arc, and... so. Oh, okay, okay. So we eventually come back here. This is, this is going to be like the last time we're yeah, at for this bit. castle right now, at least. There's a little there's a little conversation that happens before they go back in the battle, but where they come back for like five minutes. But we don't come mm-hmm. back to this castle for a bit because there's a couple of different big battles that yeah. happen before we do come back. But um, but yeah, um, that's the end of those chapters as far as like what I had to get out of them. Is there anything else you saw? Yeah, there was like, one oh, thing. I think like, you kind of skimmed over this a little bit in the um summary, which is fine because it's a detail, yes. but um. When she's, like, giving him the necklace and stuff, um, it's, like, I don't know. Like, it's obvious, like, him carrying on the flirtation and stuff or whatever, but I just, (laughs) it just kind of killed me how he, she, like, gives him this whole spiel about, like, oh, I have the other one and it'll make you come home safely to me, so please take it, and he's, like, oh, there's no way Mm. I can take this. And she's, like, about to be devastated. And he's like, so when I get back, I'll give it back to you. And I'm just like, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's a dick. He's a dick. Yeah, he's he's ultimate fuckboy. So um, fucking corny. Such a hack line. It just, I remember reading that and just being like, "Eh." (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, and then, of course, she, like, sees Casca or whatever and is, like, protect him for me. And, like, if I was Casca in my head, I would be like, i do that shit anyways. Fuck you. Um, but, yeah, I... I don't know. We... I was kind of, um... When I saw the Queen, like, I didn't remember her entire role until I, like, read later on. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because there's, like, a pretty big thing with her later. But, um... I think, cause she, I think she also confirms uh, Charlotte's age here, cause she says she's sixteen. Am I correct? Yes, I think okay. so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay, um, I was like, am I just talking yeah. shit? Oh yeah, she says you're sixteen now. You're not a child anymore, and like try to remember you're the fucking princess. And she's just like, damn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's like, uh, uh yeah. damn, you right? Yeah, yeah. So that little intro to her. Um, her so yeah, we, yeah you you will hear more from her um it just won't be for a while there, there's a couple of yeah big it'll be a bit but um yeah um, that's all i got but, for that yeah i just uh, wanted to throw those things in because yeah. i thought they were like better like character building details so slap, slap. slap.
this side of Catholics, when I was writing notes about it, I was actually like, oh, this is actually like pretty good because I thought the last couple were just going to be like filler, but no, they both have quite yeah. a bit of like important detail on it. Um, next time we may do, uh, we might do three chapters. Okay, hold on. I don't know, but you guys will know. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll let you guys the, know. The, we don't know the future. Um, yeah, because um. Oh, I could I could see it being never know. Never know free because um, that would end the volume technically. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Y'all y'all will know next time. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch more Berserk. I started streaming more recently, so I'm hoping that. Sorry, streaming more recently. I streamed once this year so far, and I'm playing the stream more. But um, hopefully, we can organize yeah. like a watch party or something to watch that. Um, <laughs> legally, uh, we will probably have a Twitch stream <laughs> soon to um, watch some Berserk since we're 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 kind of past some of the stuff that is at the beginning of the anime from what I've seen. So we can probably right. watch at, like at least a few episodes, right? So we can watch a few episodes, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a decent chunk of them. I was also going to say, we could probably stream on, um, I don't think it's Rabbit anymore. I think it's called Cast now. Uh, but yes. that is like a streaming site for that kind of thing for quote unquote, like copyrighted content. Yes. So it would probably be easier to like figure out a way to stream on there or some other site. So if you see us not on Twitch uh, doing this stuff, we're pro- we'll probably just <laughs> do games on there. But yeah. I'm not trying to get Cheval's account suspended because he's worked really hard on it. Um, Ooh, all 60 followers. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. no that's big that's good um but but yeah um we'll let you we'll let you guys know when we're doing something i know cheval wants to play some of the games too and i want to like either play or watch like a let's play of the dreamcast game because apparently there's some stuff in there that's like kind of different but uh it includes stuff that we need to get past first yeah okay so we we should definitely play that we might have to emulate it because it's like well oh, we will have to emulate it because it's like uh, fun fact i think it's like one of the rarest dreamcast games i think that yeah. and like the spawn game are like super rare dreamcast games so <laughs> yeah um we we yeah. will we'll have that happening but yeah you guys should let us know if there's anything else you think we should watch or um talk about mm-hmm. on the podcast we do want to we thank you for everybody who's like <laughs> reacting to all of our posts and was like um making sure yes. that we're keeping up with the podcast we love all you guys um thanks for everybody who's been listening to awesome. it's been really nice seeing people still like stick with the podcast so awesome thank you thanks thanks yeah. guys but um yeah yeah um we know it's been a rough holiday I... period but <laughs> yeah yeah oh my yeah now that now that cal is married and <laughs> oh god i i have a few more things that we have a few more things to do for our wedding so it may take it yeah. point is we we might we might go back to weekly soon so but we'll keep you guys posted on that there's just less shit happening right now but um yeah yeah we're, so, we're working on it yeah so I, I we appreciate you guys and um i don't know i don't know how else to end things so i'm just gonna start <laughs> talking yeah. about um uh our social media and stuff so yeah if you guys want to catch up with us you can catch us um on instagram at unpack that pod we're also on twitter at let's underscore um un- yeah let's underscore underpack underscore it see now you really know it because you can remember me stumbling on it and um, we also have a gmail 
we're <laughs> we're unpacking it at gmail.com where you guys can send us anything that you feel like whether it's you know questions or just funny shit or anything like that we're also on twitter um i'm cheval p uh i think our twitters are also in the bio for the twitter for the podcast so yeah if you want to interact with yeah, us they- interact with us there we we do respond um actually so don't worry you can actually say something to us and we'll talk back but yeah, yeah um, we don't have enough followers to be like cold to people. So <laughs> we'll no, probably answer. no, if you respond to us, we're very happy. We're very happy you responded to us. But um, but yeah, um, thanks so much for listening to episode. Um, I think this is episode fifteen. Yeah, episode fifteen. Of, 15. Let's unpack that. We will be back with um yet another battle scene and the beginning of the Casca chapters um whoop, whoop. next time. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming this time and next time and every time before that. Thanks for listening to all the old podcasts. <laughs> if you listen to this like two years after it came out, we appreciate that too. But yeah, you guys have yes. a great rest of your week or night or day or whatever it is you're doing. And we'll catch you next time. See ya.